Hopefully I don't start a trend, Pastor. Come up here and sit down. Hope you all don't mind me sitting down. I was just informed by our local almost doctor, Rissell Savage, that I was using the, the cane on the wrong side. <laughs> now, I used to be an injured boy, I tell you. I don't know what's going on. All right. So I can't tell you how many times I pop, heard stuff pop using the wrong hand. All right, I think I'm almost there. Give me one second. Give me one second here. Okay, I'll stand while we pray. Father, thank you this morning for your word. Um, you know, as we just sang a... Uh, a real deep-rooted hymn, how um, your spirit just moved in the room. That hymn's been around for years and years and years. Not as long as your word, though. And how your word should move us just as effectively. And we have your word with us each and every day. Thank you for what you're going to do during this time, Lord. Move me out of the way. Let your word go forth. It never returns void. May lives be transformed because of your word this morning. Thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Okay, so first before I start, I have a, uh, a letter that I'm supposed to read to the congregation from Annie. It says, bless your heart for being so nice. I would like to thank the church for helping me and being a blessing to me. I thank everyone and everybody. Love, Annie. That's what the church is supposed to be about, right? Okay, so I got my tissue up here. And Pastor was right, and Brandon was right, and both of them mentioned stuff that I'm going to preach about, but something that I want to talk about is something that I've been uh, frustrated with for years, years with the body of Christ, and It's just something that I think a lot, of, a, lot of, uh, a lot of you all might be frustrated with as well. So as I was going through some stuff throughout the month, I ran across an article, and, I, and it was so good that I just didn't want to reference to you guys to it. I wanted to read a little bit of it. So it's long, but I've chopped it up a little bit, so I'm just going to read like a paragraph here, a paragraph there, but they're really, really good. So I wanted to share it with you, so bear with me on that. Um, the title of the article is called Repentance, Renewal, Revival. And it's by a guy by the name of Don Rogers. He's with Christian Training Online. And I'll start reading. It says, It is apparent to those of us who do battle against the kingdom of darkness on a regular basis that there are a lot of strongholds that need to be pulled down. Ideally, 
This should be a combined effort of the body of Christ. Unfortunately, a large portion of God's people are not ready to join such an effort, even if they wanted to. Their own spiritual lives would hinder them in doing so. A campaign to bring down demonic strongholds will not be. God has called us to go out into the world and bring about change. We are supposed to, cha to be change makers, salt and light in the world of darkness. How have the majority of Christians responded? They have gone about business as usual. Satan has been very successful in diverting us from the path that God has laid out for us. God's people have become self-centered, self-indulgent in their lifestyles. Christ has called us to take up our cross daily, but his voice has been drowned out by the multitude of enticements that surround us. Many are satisfied to carry the name of Christ and live like the rest of the world. They are content in the world as it is, and for others, the task of changing the world is overwhelming. I'm glad the disciples did not think like that. Frankly, I will not make an impact for Christ in the world unless I change. This is a foundational truth. God's people need to take, the, take an objective inventory of their lives and start repenting. Yes, we repented when we, hate, when we gave our lives to Christ, but that was only the beginning of what should have become a life lived in an attitude of repentance. All of us need to open our eyes and recognize what we have become. We need to see how we have been grieving the Holy Spirit by the way we are living. We cannot think about change in our lives and hope our good intentions will be acceptable. There must be a change that is radical if we are to be in God's will. The Holy Spirit deserves to work in our lives to bring about change, and he needs the submission of our wills. We must be willing to yield to whatever change God desires to bring about. God has made it very clear what it will take to bring healing to our land. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If we want to see God move in our lives, in, our li in the lives of others, there must be repentance that starts with us. God's word to Israel through Ezekiel, came to us as well. It must be addressed in the church today. But I have this against you. Now this is Revelations chapter 2. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember then from what you have fallen. Repent and do the work you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. God is already beginning to shake and sift and even bring temporal judgment upon the body of Christ. He will fulfill this eternal plan no matter what it takes. He will prepare a people to be the bride of Christ. Satan will always seek to convince us that everything is fine in our lives. There is no need to be overly concerned about our conditions because there are a lot of people who are in much worse spiritual shape than ourselves. 
This is how many rationalize the way the need for repentance in their lives is. They permit pride and self-righteousness to take root. Lack of repentance has been the major reason why so many Christians have gone into bondage in one form or another. If we are to impact the world for God, we cannot be satisfied with only repentance. Repentance must be followed by renewal. There must be a renewal in the way we think, what we desire, and how we exercise our wills. Renewal is not something we wait for God alone to accomplish. It is a change we are personally accountable to pursue. What I have been describing may be a little confusing to some Christians because they only think of repentance in the context of salvation and renewal in the context of the Holy Spirit's works on our behalf. But the scriptures also emphasize repentance and renewal in relation to godliness. God not only wants us to be saved, but to be holy as well. You were, not, you were taught to put away your former ways of life, your old self corrupt and deluded by its lust, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to clothe yourselves with the new self created according to the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness, Ephesians 4, through 24. Renewal of the heart involves the repentant heart, the determination to pull down every stronghold that has been established in the thoughts and desires and taking captive every thought and making them obedient to Christ. Renewal is bringing our, na our nature under the discipline of God's truth, it is not easy, but can be accomplished by relying upon the Holy Spirit, which guides us and enables us and transforms us to cooperate with him. Repentance, renewal, and relationship in godly living is where many Christians are failing miserably in their obedience to God. The reason Satan is having such a field day in Christian lives is because there is an overwhelming lack of repentance and renewal among believers. Many have not taught, have not been taught that God's word commands holiness. So it, it, there's about three or four more pages, and I, I don't want to keep going through it, but I think you guys get the point. Amen? It's a... Uh, and I'll, and I'll read the couple of verses that I wanted to reference. Second Peter chapter 2, verses 20 through 22. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. It would be better if they had never known the way of righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. They proved the truth of this proverb, a dog returned to its vomit. And another says, a washed pig returns to the mud. Now, to put this in context, that scripture, those, those two verses were referencing teachers 
that at one time had been saved and were coming out of the ungodly living, and they were teaching, and they were, they were on point, and then they backslid. And what happened is, because they backslid, they wanted to justify so much of how they were living that they became even worse. And a, a verse that kind of brings it to hand is Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 through 44 or 45. It says, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, clean, put in order. Then he goes and takes, him, takes with him other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it be, so shall it also be with this wicked generation. And here's, my, here's where I started off the message with saying that I was so fed up and frustrated. And I've voiced this with pastor and at a multitude of board meetings. The church today has serious issues, a lot of problems. It's a shame. Um, and, it be, and it starts with leadership. Like Pastor was mentioning, you know, leadership, he's, he wants us to have verses that we've memorized, meaning I can't force you guys to get into the word, but I can't have you guys get up and say a verse, which means you were in the word. Um, but also, the church, and I'm not picking on any one particular church, and, but you guys aren't ignorant. You've seen stuff all around on social media these days, all the garbage that's going on. You got a $10,000 prayer line. You got a $5,000 prayer line. You got a $50,000 prayer line. You know, there, there's a, um, something with your name on it, and all this garbage, all this garbage. Um, that's the leadership doing that. And the leadership says, yeah, this is how it is. And, and what, what happens to the people that are members of those churches? They walk around and, you know, they just say, hey, man, this is the way it's supposed to be. Say, it just trickled down. It trickles down. Because this is what's happening in the church. And that's why you see things going the way it is today. Things are stagnant. Church has really no say in anything today. It's, it's a laughing stock. It's ridiculous. You know, we, even, even the congregation, it, it kind of, because of dealing with that type of leadership, it gets comfortable with worldly ways. Uh, you see the children getting drawn into the side of Satan because the parents, they've kind of taken up a stance on, well, let's make things a little bit easier for them. Let's, let's make it a little bit more fun. Let's make it more cultural friendly. Let's, let's make it more relatable. Let's make it more comfortable. Since when is Christian living supposed to be comfortable? And I'm not saying we need to walk around, you know, with frowns on our face and oh, gloom and doom, but I'll tell you what, let's look at a few things. This is probably one of my biggest pet peeves with gay churches. 
that doesn't even make sense. I can understand gay individuals coming into a church, but I can't understand gay churches. I can't understand gay pastors. I can't understand pastors that at one point said, we never condone inappropriate sexual behavior. And now those same pastors say, well, things are changing. Things are evolving. I'm not sure. Uh, I will never perform a gay marriage, but I might go to a wedding. Come on. There's even a gay Bible out now. It's called the Queen James Bible. So, and I know there's sometimes you hear people, don't be, don't be judging me, don't be judging them. You know, we are supposed to be loving. I got that. But where is God in all that? Uh, what does God have to say about that? Uh, what do, or do we just ignore the person that we are supposed to worship? Um, remember when you guys were growing up and somebody says, you out on the playground playing or recess or something or at lunchtime and somebody says something about your mama? And how everybody, oh no, you ain't talking about, oh, let me slow down. You ain't talking about my mama, right? What about your Lord? When somebody disrespects your Lord, and I'm saying you're not supposed to get hostile like that, but do we confront ignorance about our Lord with Scripture? In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, it says, uh, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. It says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporal residents of this world and foreigners to keep away from worldly desire that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. This is first Peter. We have let our, we, we've, we've even gone to the point of allowing our children to mimic these idiots uh, on television shows, these singers, these actors and actresses. Um, The hairstyles, the clothing, the way they talk, that's not holy. Come on. You'd be surprised, you'd be surprised if you looked on some of the social media 
looked, read some of their text messages and looked at some of their social media stuff. How you notice that, have you noticed that um, majority of all the movies and sitcoms and television shows, they've got um, somewhere, somewhere, somehow, some way. You could be watching a, a, a decent movie and all of a sudden there's a guy kissing a guy. There's a woman kissing a woman. There's a so-called couple, same sex. Why? Why? What makes them right? Because they'll taunt it and it's flaunted in our faces every single day with no shame. No shame. That, that right there lets you know we're in war. Nobody says anything wrong about it. It's just, we're supposed to accept it, right? We're supposed to accept it, right? I can't hear y'all. We're supposed to accept it, right? No. No. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawless, or what fellowship has light with darkness, or what harmony has Christ with Belial, or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever, or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them. Be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. When we were saved, those of us that are, there was a true setting apart in order to identify who we are. It was a radical shift, at least radical according to our past life. Remember how some of us used to talk? Remember how some of us... Uh, our friends responded to us, and they tried to pull us back in. They didn't believe what we really believed, and they thought we'll be able to get them back. Uh, they tried to pull us back in. Maybe for some of us, we've been pulled back in. Our testimony depends on the setting apart. When those who knew us or know us come to know or hear us and see our setting apart, it will allow Jesus Christ to witness to them. The Hebrew word, quadish, is most commonly translated holy. This word comes from the root word, quadish, which means to set apart for a specific purpose. How many of us in the church today believe that Jesus Christ is Lord? 
Now, the other question is, how many of us that believe that Jesus Christ is Lord follow Jesus Christ's teaching? When you listen, okay, well, here's another one. And when you listen to music today, there needs to be a separation. There needs to be a setting apart. Hmm. Imagine coming to church. We dim the lights. You got lights flashing in the background to the beat. You got non-holy dressed women in the background singing, sounding good. And the rhythm of the beat makes you want to get up and do what you used to do in the nightclubs and the lounges and the bars and the basement parties. That's not holy. You had a good time. That's not holy. The music was awesome. That's not holy. The music in the church needs to be music that helps us worship. It should allow our souls to seek God and deepen our relationship with Jesus Christ through the sounds and lyrics. There are beats and patterns that create reactions and remind us of our past life. Remember, we're supposed to be set apart, holy. Now, we constantly have a battle between our flesh and our new man. We constantly have that battle. The flesh wants that, that old rhythm, that old beat. The new man says it's not holy. When we talk, our conversations, our speech should be set apart. When we act, our actions should reflect the setting apart. Our dress needs to reflect setting apart. You know, it's summertime. Modest dress. I don't think there is such a thing anymore. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Where do they get the ideas from, though? Our culture, what they see on YouTube, what they see on social media, music videos, concerts. I, I was talking to I was talking to a good friend of mine the other day, and he said that. Um, no, I'm sorry. I was talking to my mother, and she said that um, she knows of some. Young ladies, they, they go to Beyonce concerts. And they can't pay their bills. And because they can't pay their bills, things get shut off, things get taken away. And then they ask the church to help them out. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of the God, and be more ready to hear than to give sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. 
Ecclesiastic chapter 5, verse 1. So in that, there's a lot of foolishness going on in churches today, which is why the church is ineffective a lot of times. Doesn't mean the church can't be effective. Amen? <sighs> Brandon mentioned this earlier. He said that uh, this, got, this is not cotton candy Sunday. Right? This isn't cotton candy Sunday. We're not wrapping up today and having a raffle. You know, um, we shouldn't come here to be entertained. We should come here to learn. Here, here's the deal. I look at church's um, practice. Now, some of y'all basketball fans, right? Any of y'all basketball fans? Any of y'all remember Allen Iverson? He's not dead, but I'm, he's not playing anymore. You, you, you remember the infamous practice. We talking about practice? Every Sunday, when you're in these doors, in these walls, this is practice. We're getting ready to go out into the field. You come here to practice. That's our church. This is practice. The worldly system is trying to teach us to live without God. The devil is trying to influence us to keep, to, to, to take on bad things, corruption. He's real conniving. He's real sneaky. He makes it look good. He makes it smell good. Makes it look good even. He's just not going to do something that you know that's wrong. Just come out with it blatantly. He's going to be sneaky about it a lot of times. Here's one thing we have to remember always. We, we are born with a sin nature. We are born in, into sin. We will have fleshly desires. As we get older from being a baby, as we get older, those fleshly desires get more and more aggravated kind of like a fish in water not knowing he's wet we're born in the sin we tend to think that babies oh they're so innocent they're so sweet they're little angels i heard this said by vody bockham he said babies are not angels they are vipers in a diaper Vipers in a diaper. They will come up and bite you. <laughs> so we've got TVs, movies, plays, etc., entertainment, but churches for growth. Not lollipop Christianity. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they are saying, peace, safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. The day would overtake you like a thief, for you all are sons of light and sons of day. You are not of the night or of the darkness. So then... Let us not sleep as others do, 
but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you also are doing. The word is pretty, is pretty, pretty clear on how we ought to live. I've, I probably have 20 more verses I can read to you. I'll give you the verses, but I won't read them. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 17. James chapter 4, verses 4, and continue on reading. I will read you this one. Revelations chapter 3, verse 18. I counsel thee to buy of me gold and tried and fire that thou mayest be rich with white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thou nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with isaph that thou mayest see god wants us to see and be aware through our training on a weekly basis, when we come here on Sundays, we're to be trained. We're in practice. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence forth thou cometh? And Satan answered and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and walking up and down in it. And the Lord said to Satan, What is thy word to be concerning all the children on the earth? Us. And Satan answered, This is good. And Satan answered and said, I have seen all the children of the earth who serve you and remember you when they require anything from you. And when you give them the things which they require, they sit at their ease. In other words, they forget all about you and remember you no more until we need you again. That's sad. That's real sad. And he said unto them, Know you not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? And these are they by the wayside. When the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan come immediately and snatch it away, the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure before time afterwards. 
when affliction and persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of the world, and the deceitfulness, and the riches, and the lust, and the other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. That's the word. That's what we, that's what, that's what we see today going on. How many times have you been around people and they're, I'm saved, I'm a believer, and they're doing stuff like you like, you sure? I don't think so, bro. I don't think so, sis. You go in somebody's house and they have, you know, references to being a Christian on their walls and in their house, and then they got a bar full of liquor. Lord said, be holy, be set apart. Don't indulge in that. But the pastor such and such house, he got a bar in his house. That's the problem. They're going to get a stricter, a stricter. Under God's authority, subtraction can be multiplication. Sometimes God has to take away impurities. Talks about it in John, taken away from the vine. You see, it's not about your gifts and talents or how gifted you are or how talented you are. It's about how your gifts and talents serve and benefit others. It's not about how much you have succeeded. It's about how many people have succeeded because of you. This can't be done through comfort or selfishness. Living a holy life, it's not easy. You're going to lose a lot of friends, so-called. But the one true friend you need will always be there. God has a purpose for your life. Do you believe that? I started off the message talking about repentance, renewal, and revival. If you need to repent, now's the time. Allow the Lord to know that you want to be set apart. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not big on um, having people stand up, raise their hand, bow their head, and, you know, repeat these words. As far as I'm concerned, I think people, when they repent, true repentance, that's when they ask God into their heart, not repeating a word that somebody else has said. Because that's not them saying it. That's them repeating what somebody else has said. True repentance comes when, when, when the rubber hits the road and it's like, I got to do something about this. I can't continue going on like this. Lord, I need your help. I need you. It's not, 
you know, something that's, it, it, it takes, it, it takes being uncomfortable to accept Christ. And right after you accept Christ, you need to be baptized, to be washed, cleansed, wash away those sins. So, as I close, I pray. Father, we all have a, um, a desire. To, those of us that at one point in time in our lives have repented. And maybe we thought we repented and really didn't. And we've been living our lives and we've just been running into dead end after dead end after dead end. Hitting the wall, getting back up, praising and worshiping, hitting a wall, getting back up, praising and worshiping. Not really seeing the results that we think we should have. And maybe we shouldn't have those results right now. But Lord, there's some among us, I know, Lord, that uh, need to repent. And I pray for their, for their souls. I pray that they will come to know you as Lord and Savior. I pray that they will repent and say, Lord, I need you. I need you. I'm not living right. I do things in secret. I think I'm getting away with it, but you see all. Forgive me, Father. Help me. Help me walk worthy. And it's going to be a, a lifelong endeavor to be someone that you can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's a lifelong task to get ourselves right. We're going to continue to mess up. We're going to continue to mess up. But we need to continue to repent. Thank you for what you've done in our lives. Thank you for what you said in your word. How you have so much information in here. That we could just say, man, you know what? Things aren't going right. Let me go, let me go to this first. Let me go listen to this message. And the more we have your word inside of us, the more we can be aware of the garbage that's out there that we don't need in us. The false teaching that's out there that we don't need in us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.